Hello and welcome to this episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Raziel and I get the I am the host to the show and it's incredible every time I get to do it where I get to interview Olympic athletes and hopefuls on their story and path to the games. Today we have Olympic athlete Megan O'Leary. She is on USA Rowing. She is in the tandem. It's she has such an incredible story. Seriously, she was a college soccer player. She worked for ESPN. She wanted to do something healthy, so she thought let's take up a rowing class so very very cool episode she's so much fun to talk to has so much to say has been doing this for so long is such a smart smart person i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed interviewing her so make sure um i hope you guys enjoy this episode with megan o'leary all right special guest today megan o'leary of usa rowing born august 24th 1948 in tulsa oklahoma only was there for a couple months but that's where you were born. That's what the internet says. We'll stick with it. Megan started rowing in 2010, and after one year, she was invited to join the U.S. rowing team in beautiful, wonderful Princeton, New Jersey, about 15 minutes from where I'm sitting right now. Megan is a four-time World Cup medalist, a five-time national champion, and has competed at five World, world Championships where she has a bronze and a silver. And she finished sixth at the Olympics in the 2016 Games six short years after starting rowing. Megan is also a motivational speaker, uh, the vice president of Instavisor. That's correct. Got Instavisor. it. All right. Uh, ambassador for the Women's Sports Foundation and serves as the A director on the U.S. Rowing Board of Directors. Megan, thanks for hanging out with us today. I appreciate it. Yeah, Michael. Thanks for having me. I have one thing to also correct oh. you on just now. You oh, what did I, I mess born? up? You said I was born in 1948, and while I, oh, hope, I, wow. I hope I look younger than that, uh, 1984. <laughs> Slightly younger than uh, uh, throw. I'm, I'm sorry for adding 40-ish years to your no, life. No, it's, it's okay. About that. I mean, August rowing 24th. is sports that you can do for your entire life. So, uh, Love it. Yes, August 24th, 1984. Um, I'm not <laughs> dyslexic, but I do that all the time, so we'll have to figure that one out. But again, Megan, sincerely appreciate you hanging out with us today. I'm really excited for this conversation. So if you don't mind, I mean, your rowing career has only been – eight years ish. I mean, there was a lot of time before that. So I guess, I mean, just tell us about growing up and, and, and moving around a little bit and what you did, I guess, before your career started. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I have a very non-traditional entry in, into ascent, I guess you would also say into the sport of rowing. Um, I grew up as an athlete, you know, I, I played everything, soccer, volleyball, basketball, softball, track and field. Um, I was, I was definitely a, a jack growing up brothers. Um, I can thank for part of that. All. Um, and then, you know, went, went to college, went to the university of Virginia where I was a two sport athlete, played volleyball, go who's. And, um, you know, after, after college, I did my undergrad and my master's there at UVA. I uh, went to work for ESPN um, obviously loved sports, but I loved uh, sports media um, worked for ESPN for about five years. And during that time, I had moved to Connecticut where ESPN is headquartered in Bristol, Connecticut. And, you know, I was in Connecticut and, and kind of looking for I remember it was the summertime and just looking for something new to do in my free time and wanted it to be outside. And um, I Googled rowing and found kind of learn to row sessions uh, being hosted at the local boathouse on the Connecticut River there running through Hartford, showed up, absolutely loved it. Didn't know what I was doing, but absolutely loved it um, and kind of just threw myself into it to see what I could make of it. Um, and then when it kind of became apparent that I had some potential and I was still young enough to, to pursue this at a high level, I, I, that's what I did. I, I, you know, I dove straight in and yeah, six years later, I was sitting at the 
the line of the Olympic final getting ready to start. That is wicked. Like that, that doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, I've heard some pretty crazy stories, but I mean, getting into a sport in six years later uh, and, and not just like, as you said, you weren't old at the time. I mean, in sports, obviously ages, age is a little different than it is in like, you know, earth terms. But um, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy to think that you were able to pick it up that quickly um, just from Googling it. Like, man, that's crazy. Plus the water up in Connecticut is probably pretty cold. I mean, I, even in the summertime, it's probably pretty chilly. So I commend you a lot for doing that. So when, when you're at ESPN, what, um, what exactly were you doing up in Bristol? Like what was your, what was your job? Yeah. So I started as a production assistant and that is, you know, that's, it's entry level. That's what a lot of people get their start in, in, you know, their careers in TV, television. And so that's everything from assisting producers to working on their packages for events, all the stuff that you see kind of rolling inside of the live games that you watch. Um, I worked in the studio as well. Well, so that was cutting highlights for, you know, Sports Center Top 10 and um, kind of the halftime, you know, highlight shows. And as I said, I worked a lot of events. So that was my favorite part about it. I worked on um, mostly the NCAA uh, sports. So, you know, traveling to all the NCAA championships, the in-season games um, and, you know, helping in the truck. And then I, I transitioned away from production about a year and a half into my career to programming, which is the scheduling and acquisition. So think of it more as the business side. We're the ones that are negotiating the rights with the rights holders. Um, so in my you know, position, it was all the, the big athletic conferences and then deciding, okay, what events are we going to put on TV now? How are we going to you know, package them to send to our you know, sales, sales group to hopefully make some money off of them by getting sponsors? So it was a lot of fun seeing both sides of television and sort of understanding um, kind of how, you know, how the business works. Yeah, that is just super cool, super jealous. I mean, it was so many people's dream to just work at ESPN, right? And you got to do that. You got to work on multiple sides of it, which I think is super cool too. Um, so that's very enjoyable. So up in Bristol, as you said, you Googled rowing and you kind of just happened upon it. What was that first experience like um, getting into it and, and really just, I guess, trying it out for the first time? I mean, it was very close to being my sort of like never experience. I almost didn't get out of my car um, to even, you know, show up for that first day. I was terrified. And when I think back on that, um, you know, how, how different my life would have played out. And, uh, you know, when I did finally, obviously, get out of my car and, and show up, um, I've, you know, not to, to overplay the, the water, you know, cliche, but I felt like a fish out of water. I mean, I was, I was a very good athlete growing up. Uh, but here was something that was completely different from anything I'd ever experienced. Um, and, and that part of it, I think I actually was very, you know, it, it attracted me to it because I, I was being forced to, to learn in a new way and kind of being put in this position where I wasn't an expert um, and kind of felt, you know, those parts of myself come alive that were, um, you know, I was challenged in ways I'd never been challenged. And I mean, I remember, you know, feeling so uncoordinated and so, you know, unathletic at times. I almost stepped through the bottom of a boat. I didn't know how to handle the equipment. So, you know, very much sort of a, a clunky, um, clumsy experience early on. And, you know, to think that I would now am and most definitely an expert in the sport um, is, is kind of, it's funny to think back on that time when I was just so uncomfortable and, and so, you know, such a novice. I mean, you, you, I love the beginning, how you said, like, there, there, you almost didn't step out of your car. 
and just think, I mean, that's a fork in the road. And, you know, there, there was two pa- possible paths uh, that you could went down and you, I think you took the correct one. I'm sure the other one would have been fine hanging out at ESPN for a couple more years, but I think that this way um, was probably a little bit more enjoyable for you and you get to, uh, to do something that you love, find something that you love and get to do it because it was a beginner's course. Was it just like you and a bunch of like teenagers or like little kids, or was it like an adult learning to row kind of class? Like what, what was that? Like who was there? Yeah. I mean, I was the youngest one. So oh, okay, I remember okay. the classes were, they started at, um, they definitely were more for, um, the like maybe older, you know, retired or, or even a lot of, you know, moms that worked at home. Um, and so I was, I was the youngest one there. And, and that was, I mean, I remember one of the coaches sort of approaching and being like, who are you? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Um, I had to get special permission for my bosses to even be able to, you know, do the kind of the lessons because I was going to be at work like an hour late um, on those days. So it was, yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't that I was the oldest one. I was actually the youngest one. That's really funny. Yeah. In my mind, it's, it's you and like a bunch of like 14 year olds trying to learn how to row a boat, but this way it's even funnier. It's you and a bunch of uh, house moms and retired people learn how to row a boat. So I think either way, I, I'm going to laugh at that situation. I think it's fantastic. And I mean, clearly it worked. So, Hey, who, who am I to say? So after a year, you were invited to join the U.S. rowing team. What the heck were you doing in that year to get so good and, and start to really understand and take in all of rowing that they were like, hey, maybe we should check you out? <laughs> uh, anything and everything, right? So I was, um, you know, when you think about trying to, to learn how quickly um, kids learn, uh, because their minds are open to it. And that's what I sort of had to, to step back into that role of just asking questions, not being afraid to be you know, embarrassed or not knowing something, uh, talking to anybody that would you know, share their experience with me or give me their, you know, the, their insight and their input, um, get coaching. And I, you know, I was lucky enough to find a training partner that could introduce me to training at a high level uh, he then, you know, introduced me into his training group, which I had then access to other great athletes, but also, a, you know, an elite coach um, and got on the right, you know, physiologically got on the right plan to start getting my body in the shape that I needed to um, in order to even, you know, think about performing at a level that was competitive. Um, and then I raced my butt off. I showed up at every race I could, uh, you know, I wasn't and you know, I finished last in the first, this big national selection regatta. Um, at, I remember it was in the spring of 2011. And then by the end of the summer, I finished fourth in the Pan Am trials. Um, oh. And so it was sort of one of those things where I just had to like do everything I could, put myself through some really awkward and uncomfortable positions of, you know, you're going to lose, you're going to feel really bad about yourself, but you know that it's part of the process. Um, I think so often people, because of that discomfort or that pain that you might feel when you put yourself in those positions, you shy away from it. Um, and I, you know, I just knew that if I, if I wanted to do what I wanted to do, I, I had to totally embrace that and seek it out. Like I had to find those situations in order to, you know, to accelerate my, my process get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Like that's something that I'm told on a, uh, on a daily yeah. basis. I have a little sticky note that says that right above my uh, computer. So I love, I love the way you think about it. So I get at what point during that time were you like, yeah, maybe I should do this competitively. And then at what point were you like, Hey, maybe I should do this very competitively ending with the Pan Am games, like how, how, or the trials, like what is, 
what's going through your mind during that time? It's just so confusing to me to see how you went from zero to a hundred <laughs> like that quickly. I think that's crazy in a good way, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So there was actually, you know, a moment pretty early on. Um, it was, I think it was July, 2010 was, you know, late June, early July, 2010 when I, um, had those learn to row lessons and then November. So just, you know, think about a few months later, November, 2010, there was a, you know, they call it a national, um, selection ID camp. And so it's, it, it's basically just pulls in, these are mostly college students, maybe, you know, recently college graduates um, that are looking to, you know, kind of get on the radar of the national team um, in a hope to eventually be invited into the national team training group. And so I, you know, I told myself I'll, I'll show up again. I was in the reverse. I was the oldest one there, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but showed up and said, if I can make the cut, it's a series of tests. And then out of the tests, there's a, you know, kind of a smaller group that gets to go out on the water and, you know, sort of show their stuff to the national team coaches. And it was a group of 50 cut down to 16. And I said, if I can make that cut into 16, I'm doing this. Um, and I did. And so after that weekend, I, you know, I really, that's when I kind of did everything I needed to do to find the training partner, find a coach, find a, you know, find every opportunity to race. Uh, I sort of had that nudge and that proof um, that I, you know, I had the potential and now it was up to me to, to do something with that potential. Um, and so, you know, that, that sort of began my journey of, okay, this is actually possible because I'm at least above, you know, I'm in a top percent of athletes. Um, and now it's up to me to, to make it happen. And so when, when all this is going on, at what point did it cross your mind? Like at some point you have to leave your job and from the sound of it, you had a pretty sweet job. I mean, working at ESPN, getting on the business side, the production side, the whole nine. So, I mean, that probably, and I don't want to tell your story, but, but from my point of view, that sounds like it was probably the biggest hurdle to get over. What was that like in understanding like, okay, I have this really great job, but I think I have the potential to do this. And at what point were you just like, you got to fall off the cliff and see if anyone catches you? Yeah. And I, that was something I struggled with for a while was, of course, was finding, yeah. finding that right time. Um, I didn't leave ESPN until the spring of 2013. So I had already been invited into camp and I'd negotiated going part-time and working remotely because I had to move to Princeton um, that fall of 2011. And so it was, you know, um, over like it was a year and a half of working until I finally it became uh, apparent that, that you know I was I was going to make a national team I had a real shot at making the Olympic team but I had to go all in you know I was I sort of I'll call it I plateaued a little bit in terms of I you know wasn't obviously wasn't putting in and, and doing what I wanted to do with ESPN because I'd made that decision to step away a little bit and then, you know, now I was sort of reaching that point where I had to give more to rowing if I, if I truly wanted to, to make the Olympic team. And, you know, I, I remember I, it took me a year of going back and forth and thinking about this. And I was lucky enough to sort of, I was beginning that leash by going part-time, going remotely, testing the waters with putting more time into rowing. And then finally I could take that leap. I mean, I remember sobbing in the office of one of my good friends actually worked for HR for ESPN talked to her openly but um, you know under the advice of and support of many friends and family I, I knew that I just I had to take that leap and uh, that you know sometimes to pursue one dream you have to give up on another um, but that's part of it you know that's part of the 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 struggle and you call it a sacrifice but it's it's a choice and but it, it pays off a hundred percent I mean clearly it paid off uh, now that we know what we know of course it, it pays off but um one thing um, also like just 
you worked at ESPN. If you, you were a killer at your jobs, it sounds like. So I'm sure if anything potentially did go wrong with rowing, you probably could have went back and been like, hey, by the way, you know, I really love my job back. I'm sure they would have uh, found a way. And also, just as a, a very quick aside, I'm starting a water pun counter, and we're up to three at this point. So keep going. I'm really enjoying these puns, so let's <laughs> yeah. rock and roll. I'm not going to stop. Um, I like so, a challenge. I like a challenge. Good, good. Let's see how many we can hit today. Um, no, so you start rowing, obviously, unfortunately, have to leave ESPN. Super cool job, but hey, I think what you're doing now is a little bit cooler. And what was it like those first few years, I guess, after that, and, and really finally, here we go, diving headfirst into it, what was that like, and how much did you see your your skill set and your, your abilities and aptitude increase? Because again, you're only like three years into rowing at this point. You leave ESPN, and then after that, how much did you see yourself increase and really um, your, your ability just, just go through the roof? Yeah, well, once I got my feet wet, um, I was able to, yeah, put that tally down. Got it, I got so it. I, you know, leaving, leaving ESPN, I, the results or you know my performance and kind of increased in terms of just output uh was immediate uh it was it was it was amazing how how quickly i could see the results um come in just from being able to take that energy and you know stress and focus that i'd i'd had to set aside still for espn and put it into rowing um like i said that that was my first team that i made in 2013 which a few weeks after leaving espn officially i you know, won a regatta in the women's double um, with my with my partner Ellen Tomek. That then that led to me making the team. Later that summer, I won you know a bronze medal at the World Cup um, in my international debut. And this was you know uh, the women's double is one of the most competitive events in um, rowing. And so you know in winning that medal, I was put on the podium along with, you know, multi, multi-team Olympians, Olympic champions, world champions, and I'd, I'd beaten a few, you know, as well along the way. And so that was, that was sort of the uh, arrival moment where I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm putting myself among the best of the best. And, and this is what it, this is what it takes, but this is what it means. Um, this can become a reality, you know, if I can just stay the course and continue to, you know, put in the work that has gotten me this far the Olympics can become, you know, it, that is a real thing now. And so, you know, that summer of 2013, being able to step away from ESPN and then seeing the immediate results um, in making the team, winning a medal, uh, it was, you know, it only, you know, reaffirmed that I was making the right decisions. But, hey, this goal, this dream is, is can absolutely become a reality. Um, and that's what drove me, you know, into the, the during the Olympic cycle, um, you know, I'd, I'd gone all in. And uh, there was no, you know, kind of no looking back at this point and on an eye, eye on the prize of 2016. And, um, and that's what, you know, I stayed in the women's double. And that became my project with Ellen Tomek. We, you know, year after year um, stayed committed. And, you know, I learned a lot from her and through that process and um, just working to continue. You know, now it was obviously making the Olympics, but how can I improve as an athlete, becoming one of the best scholars in the country? Um, you know, having come from not even knowing how to, you know, take a stroke. And then how can I become one of the best scholars in the world um, and end up on the podium? That is, I love this story. That is just way too cool. (laughs) Just way too cool. So we got into your international experience, your first international experience, you get a bronze medal. um, 
this is Megan's coming out party. Everyone knows who she is now. We're not messing around anymore. And when people look through your your internet history or your uh, your Wikipedia page, they'll probably find out you only started rowing a couple years earlier. So that's got to be a pretty cool feeling, right? Actually beating some of these Olympians, as you said, um, you know, on on what is something that they've been you know mastering for. 10, 15 years, some of them potentially, and you're, you know, coming in bright eyed, bushy tail. Hey, whatever it takes, we're just going to do it. So I love that. Um, and you brought your partner up, Ellen, uh, a couple of times. What is it like? Cause you, you told me beforehand, um, that you guys have been together, um, rowing for a long time now. What is that like having someone having to put so much faith into someone else and really understanding that they're expecting just as much, if not as much back from you, because this isn't an individual event now, you know, we're working with other people. So what is that process like? And what's, what's the give and take and what's the competitive nature of the two of you? Cause I'm sure you want to do better than her and she wants to do better than you. And Hey, look at that. You're on the same team. So it kind of works out. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. We, we are, we're both very similar in that we're self-driven, but then you combine that with each other and um you know it can be a, a perfect storm of of pushing each other and i mean that's what we need uh to be successful um you know she's she's one of the the best scholars that has come through the u.s system she she's been on i think 10 teams and you know two-time olympian and um so just to, to be you know for me that you always you know you, t- you hear about teams you know the maybe the underdog always elevates to the better team. And that for me, it, it definitely elevated my, you know, my skill level, my performance, my being with an athlete that was better than me early in my career. And now that I've been able to catch up, um, you know, we, we've relied on each other to continue to, to push the bar and make sure that we show up every single day. Um, I think that, you know, what's unique with being in the double is that, you know, when you're, when you're on your own, when you're out running, swimming, you know, if it's, you're kind of doing something, um, individual sport, uh, you, you never want to give up on yourself, but it's a little bit easier sometimes to sort of make those excuses for yourself, right? Um, when you're in, in the boat with someone else uh, that you have put so much time into and you know that they're putting just the, the same amount of energy and work into, you don't want to let them down. And I think there, there's an element to that uh, dynamic that can, you know, if you can truly harness it, that really you know, kind of brings your, your A game to a whole nother level. Um, the idea of not wanting to let someone else down can really push you through, you know, the toughest part of a race or the toughest workouts and training. Um, you know, it's that team, that team component that, you know, you don't want to let your teammates down um, that, that I think, you know, makes you a stronger athlete than just if you just only rely on your own, you know, yourself. A hundred percent. I have an accountability group with one of my friends because I know that if it was just me, I will occasionally let myself go a little bit if we're being honest. So just having that extra added uh, uh, pressure, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but um, uplifting energy. There we go. That sounds a little bit better um, for something like that, I think is very important. So, so she is a two-time Olympian, as we said, or as you said, you're a one-time Olympian. So that means she made the Olympics back in 2012, I'm assuming. How, what's the process like to become team members? Did she see like, Hey, there's this up and comer. Let me, let me, you know, um, row with her now. Like how did that whole process work and was it right place, right time? Or, or did you just show out that much? Yeah. So she actually made the team in 2008 and then was injured. Um, and was the basically just coming back from an injury and just didn't come back in time for 2012. Um, so 2013 was a little bit of her also, you know, coming back and proving to herself that, you know, she was still had, still has some stuff to get done on the water. 
in when I mentioned making the double. So when you get invited to camp, um, you know, it's a larger group of athletes and there's uh, opportunities to make different boats. So in, in rowing, there's the eight, there's the four, there's the quad, there's the pair, there's the double, there's the single. Um, and I'd raced in a regatta that they have different, basically different selection regattas events um, that placed me uh, high enough. So she placed second, I placed fourth. Um, and the first place became the single, third place uh, actually got injured, but um, we paired up together and realized that we we're pretty fast. And so you kind of have like, you know, they, they call it uh, matrix, you know, it's kind of like basically switching and finding partners and trying to find the, the fastest combination. Uh, and we discovered that, hey, we have speed. We liked working together. Um, and we felt like, you know, we both really enjoyed the double. Um, and you know, this is what we wanted to do. So, you know, I, I feel like I was lucky. Um, but at the same time, she, I think also saw in me and has spoke to that, that, Hey, here is this, this young, new kind of newcomer. Um, what an opportunity to be able to sort of like mold if, you know, kind of work mm -hmm. with a fresher athlete and, you know, let's create something new and let's create something powerful. Um, and so that's how we ended up together in 2013. And then, you know, we've just, we've just stuck together ever since, which is unique in itself. And especially in the American rowing system, you don't see combinations stay together as long as we have. Um, just for, you know, for purposes of uh, either always thinking that there's a better combination or, you know, just, just kind of getting frustrated when it gets hard and walking away. And we've, we've stayed very committed to what we're doing and to each other because we believe in it. I love it. I love it. And I mean, there's some national dominance along the way. I mean, outside of the international experience where we already talked a little bit about, I mean, five-time national champions? Yeah. So we, you know, they don't have a national team, uh, national championships, but we just consider our like selection regattas or our trials, mm -hmm. basically that. Um, and so we've, we've had to win every single one, obviously to, to make the team and we've won every single one. So um, I'll count it. that's our, yeah, that's kind of how we, we tout that, but yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's, that's a, I mean, if you win and you're facing everybody else in the country, Sounds like you're the national champion to me, so I love that. <laughs> but also, I mean, four-time four, four World Cup medalist, so the first one we heard about already, and then you're a two-time or a five-time world. You've competed at the World Championships five times. These are too many world stuff. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little confused. But you have a bronze and a silver there. What was the silver medal like? I mean, coming in second place in, in such a huge event, that, that has to give you some confidence and, and, and some, some gusto moving forward, right? Yeah, the silver medal was really special. So that was last year, the 2017 World Championships. And it was the first um, World Championships hosted by the U.S. in, I think it was almost almost a quarter century. It was like 23, wow. 24 years. Um, and beyond that, the silver medal was the first medal won by the U.S. in the women's double in over, I think it was like 27 years. Um, so we ended a 27-year medal, medal drought. And then it was the highest finish ever like the best finish ever for the, for the U S in the event. So, um, it's first time the U S has ever won a silver medal. So we, you know, not only in kind of, you know, we made history mm -hmm. with that win. So it feels really special. We did it on home soil, which feels extra special. Um, and we'd been, you know, we were gutted by our Olympic performance. We, we knew we were capable of, of being on the podium and had a really bad final. And so this was sort of our comeback and proving that, Hey, we're better than that. Um, we know, you know, we know we're, we're capable of, you know, meddling if not winning. And that's why we've, we've continued on and we have our eyes set on 2020 in Tokyo, but yeah, the silver medal is, is extra special, super special. And then, you know, we're just coming off of the world championships uh, about a month ago 
they were in Plovdiv, Bulgaria, where we won a bronze medal. Um, and so to win back-to-back -back medals is actually in the women's double is, um, is awesome. You know, we're, we're excited about that. Um, and, you know, even that, that bronze medal, we, we had some struggles along the way. And so to, for, you know, for not our best to end up with a bronze medal, we're pretty ecstatic about that. And, you know, obviously the most, you know, the more consistent you can be in the cycle leading up to the Olympics, uh, the better, um, giving you kind of that, that confidence and that, that better chance of, of hopefully coming away with a, a medal um, at the Olympic Games. So, yeah, I mean, we, you know, what I like to see is that we're becoming more consistent, a lot of work, and now it's just, you know, it's time to kind of, you know, keep polishing up and make sure that we're prepared for the next couple of years, next year's Olympic qualification, and the following is, is go. So it's right around the corner. Love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's really cool that you guys have really been able to hit your stride for lack of a better term or wait, what's a good boating pun we can use there. I don't know. You're rowing. Perfect. Ah, that's, that's a little too far. Um, you know, hitting your stride perfectly, um, on with the upcoming, as you said, the Olympic trials and the Olympics. So now that I understand, let's actually go back in time. Let's Quentin Tarantino this a little bit and let's go back to the Olympics and tell us about, I mean, qualifying, getting there, your experience. I mean, I want to know the whole thing because that's such a huge event. Um, and, you know, I mean, it, it's incredible that you got the opportunity, especially again, let's remember at the beginning of the conversation, you started rowing six years prior to the Olympic Games and you end up going and you get sixth in the world in something. I just think that that is insane. So please tell us, tell us all about it. I want to know everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, from Olympic trials are a big deal and um, you know, we dominated at Olympic trials. We, we had a great, great last race in the, you know, most regattas, um, have like multiple, you know, three to four races are kind of what, what goes into a regatta and for Olympic trials, um, you know, we had a, obviously a good regatta. We were, I would say we were probably the favorites going in, but obviously you never know what, you know, you never know who's going to show up. You never know what's going to happen, uh, crossing that line and sort of, you know, it's that, that wash of, Oh my God, I just did this. And I'm, I'm an Olympian. Uh, it was pretty incredible. Um, and you know, I still, it still thinking back to that, obviously it, it's emotional. Um, and it's, it is that just kind of that, that, uh, that feeling of, of still even now, you know, I'm, I'm two years past it and it's sort of disbelief. Um, so that was an incredible, you know, incredible moment, incredible feeling of all this hard work, this life changing, you know, route that I'd taken, um, is actually coming to fruition. I'm, I'm going to the, the Olympic games. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the Olympics, honestly, they, you know, incredible experience. Um, I, I can't say enough about, uh, what that means, obviously, for for so many athletes and for most athletes, it is the you know it is it is the pinnacle of your career and what you work toward. Um, it's your moment and you know kind of in in, in front of the whole world. Um, you obviously want to have your peak performance, um, and that not always that you know it doesn't always play out that way. Um, but that's what you prepare for, and you hope that you can show up and and do that. Um, the you know for Rio, and I'm I'm sure that you know the kind of the media covered it. Um, but we had the, the week of our racing was like this freak weather, um, system that came through Rio and the weather was very bad. And, um, that kicked up the water and the wind and for rowing, flat water rowing, our boats, they easily get disrupted. And we struggled, um, in that water. And it was, you know, it was a struggle with every race. Um, we had an amazing semifinal and came through and beat the two time world champions and Olympic gold medal favorites, um, knocked them out of the final. Uh, we took the last qualifying spot and it was, I mean, if I can think, if I can talk about like my Olympic moment, that race would be it. Uh, we came from sixth to third to get that last qualifying spot um, in the last 750 meters of the race. And it was just one of those 
kind of black out, go as hard as you can and cross the line, you know, and collapse and hope that you, you made it. Um, it was so close that even the, the screen that, you know, pops up the first, second, third, put New Zealand um, at first at third, and then they took it away and it took them several minutes because they had, it was a photo finish. So they had to analyze the, you know, the picture and look again. And then, you know, they popped up USA and I just lost it. Like these are, these are some pretty incredible pictures that um, show up of me just splashing around in the water and, and yelling. And uh, that was, you know, like I said, that was the Olympic moment of, of kind of you work so hard to be able to perform to that level. Um, and you just hope that you can, you can step up. And uh, it was, that was an incredible feeling just to make the final and have, you know, I, I alluded earlier the final was disappointing for us. It was another rough weather day. Uh, we had, we had a, you know, a bad lane um, and we struggled and we finished last and it was really disappointing. Um, and, you know, if we could, if we could go back on it, of course, we wish we could, we'd beaten teams that medaled, we'd beaten the, the team that had won the gold medal. Um, and, you know, if, if anything, you, you know, you, you kind of sulk in your disappointment for a little bit and then you have to, you know, you have to remember that you're at the Olympics and to, to, um, to enjoy that experience, to remember what you did to get you there, um, and to not, you know, not to be disappointed for too long. Your family and friends are watching, and they've seen you, and they've been a part of that experience, and they want to, you know, they want to celebrate you as well. So um, that was tough, but you know, it was again, it was it was sort of that bittersweet of like, what an incredible experience. How can I say that I'm disappointed with sixth? Um, and then, you know, if anything, it's it made us hungry, and so we're, you know, we've come back and. We've done done really well in 2017, 2018 just finished, and you know we're looking ahead to next year and the following. Yeah, I mean you can't you can't be angry about six sixth in the world at something, <laughs> especially on the biggest stage. I mean, six, like, top ten in the world, top seven in the world, top six in the world. That's insane. I'm never going to be top six at anything. So you know there there's there's a little there a little little consolation little consolation for you. But um, I mean I just think it is so cool, and and I do think with the the, the one problem that I do think we have with the media is how they perpetuate the whole metal side of it. I mean, I just think all of our athletes should be praised for going. I think that that's incredible and, and being some of the best in the world is something. Um, it's unfortunate. I mean, it's awesome if you do, if you're top three, obviously that's incredible, but top six is still insane. I mean, in my opinion, again, if I could be top six in the world at anything, I would take that in a heartbeat. So no, it sounds like the experience was amazing. It sounds like, I mean, the race prior to the finals, it sounds like you did pretty well. The, the weather is unfortunate, but you know, it's one of those things that you can't control everything. So it, it does stink. But I mean, I just think it's so cool. It sounds like you had such a great time. You're really able to take a lot out of it. And as you said, it, you, we've seen and heard, I mean, we've heard, I've seen you talk about how you've gotten better over the last two years and you're really using that and pushing and going forward with it. So I think that that part is um, also very important. So what does 2020 look like? I mean, what I mean, clearly we're gunning up to it. You got the Olympic trials coming up next year, you said, right? So, I mean, it's coming around the corner. I mean, what what are you doing now to make sure that you are in peak performance within the next two years? Because it's kind of far away, but it's something that's almost like a necessary evil at this point, right? Yeah, it, it feels far away, but it sneaks up on you. Um, and if I can go back to what you said about, I absolutely agree, the culture with, you know, what the media has done is that, because so often people, they're like, oh, you went to the Olympics? That's cool. Like, did you get a medal? And when you say no, they're sort of like, oh, <laughs> you're like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> like, you don't understand. Did you go to the so Olympics? I, I huh? Did you go to the Olympics? Revising no. our, our pro 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate that. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, the next two years are, are so important. They're, they're critical, right? So next year is, is Olympic qualification. And that actually means in our sport, um, we have to show up to, so the world championships in the, in the year preceding the Olympics are the, the, it's the Olympic qualifier. And it just means that the country has to qualify the event for the Olympics. So it's our job to go, you know, hopefully we make the double and, and to finish in the top 11 to make sure that the U.S. can send a double to the Olympics in the next year. But then we actually have to turn around and qualify ourselves in 2020. So it's sort of this, that's the way we do it here in the U.S. Um, you know, go win your, you know, kind of go win the spot for the country and then go win your seat the next year. But for us, it's, you know, it's about building, uh, so much of it is building, you know, building a pyramid. Um, a lot of it is wash and repeat every year, but then trying to elevate just a little bit more so that obviously you're peaking in each year, but in that Olympic year, you show up, you're healthy, you've put in the work, uh, and you've, you've, you know, you've established consistency. I think if you go to the Olympics hoping that you're going to have the performance that you want to, uh, it may or may not happen. It's probably not going to happen. But if you can go in knowing that you've already had the performances and you just need to repeat maybe a little bit higher, you're a lot more likely. And that's what we're hoping to do. You know, if we can medal again next year, going into the Olympics, having medaled um, all three world championships leading up to it, um, puts us in a really good spot, not only confidence wise, but just, um, for that consistency and knowing that we're capable and going to the line and relying on all of those past performances. So it's working hard. It's focusing, uh, we're getting older. So it's a lot of sleep, a lot of eating, right. Taking care of our body. Um, but yeah, doing more of the same and just trying to, you know, do it a little bit better every single day. Just a little bit better every single day. I love it. 1%, right? If you can get 1% better, um, you know, give it two years. I mean, that, that's a lot of percent. So um, I do love that. And and now I kind of want to transition. So thank you so much for that part. But I do want to transition to everything, you know, I alluded to earlier uh, that you're doing outside of rowing. And, and with talking to you, um, the motivational speaker kind of makes sense. I really, um, I see and understand what you got going on there. So I guess if you don't mind, I mean, telling us a little bit about that, telling us about being vice president of Instavisor and what you're doing there, ambassador of the women's sports. I mean, just go into all of that stuff um, and just tell us a little bit about it because clearly it's very important to you and I want to make sure that, that people understand that. Yeah, I mean, the speaking side is just is something that sort of has just come up. Um, a lot of athletes get that opportunity to share their story. I think it's so important. Um, you know, I love storytelling. That's what got me into ESPN and media is that the art of storytelling and the idea of sharing people's stories and motivating others or inspiring others and there, you know, there's so much happening in this world. And if we can find mediums to share and, and give and take, um, you know, it makes us a better, better place, obviously. And, and that's what I love about, um, you know, they call it motivational speaking, because that's your that's what the industry calls it. But I just love it's storytelling, um, and connecting with an audience and finding, you know, ways to relate. Um, if my story, you know, rowing's not that common, it's not that popular, people can relate to my experience uh, because of the elements of what got me from, you know, A to Z. And every day people are faced with, you know, how do I chase my dreams? How do I, you know, how do I make the most of, of you know, every day to, to add up to, like you said, that 1%. And so, if, you know, for me, I, I love being able to, to share uh, what I learned along the way in hopes that it can help others, um, you know, get there just a little bit faster. And so that's been a really fun uh, experience and has challenged me in ways. And so I love that about it. Um, with my, the, my company, Instavisor, um, we started it, uh, my 
the CEO and co-founder, um, and business partner is also an Olympic champion. Um, and we have, uh, we've actually hired quite a few Olympians, it's not a, uh, standard or necessary to be <laughs> employed, but, uh, we like, you know, supporting athletes as they're also pursuing their dreams and employing them. Um, but we build, we're a software company, so it's a B2B SaaS. We build you know, networks for um, nonprofits, universities, some corporates, but essentially it's building expert networks and connecting people with people to help them achieve success. And whether that's, you know, students transitioning into careers after college, um, it's athletes transitioning after their uh, athletic career into becoming a professional and so much of, you know, life and figuring out who you want to be is helping find the people to help get you there, right? And so what we've done is applied technology to that. And whether you're an entrepreneur, uh, you're a, you know, junior exec trying to become a CEO, um, you know, equipping people with the ability to, you know, have access to networks. And we, so we build, you know, their private networks for companies and organizations, but it's really rewarding because as an athlete, obviously like the, the power of coaching and, and value that I, got out of people, um, you know, connecting me with the right people to help me figure out my path. Uh, I would never have achieved what I've achieved. And so if I can, you know, help people to, to do the same and to, you know, figure out their path, um, it's super rewarding. So love what I do. It takes a lot of time, but, um, it's, you know, it's important to me. And then, um, yeah, I've done work with the women's sports foundation. They're an amazing organization. Um, we were, my partner and I were travel and training fund grants, which means they, they gave us a grant, uh, and they do, you know, so much, whether it's with elite athletes, um, encouraging you know, young girls into sport because that's so important for their development, long-term education and success. And so, you know, continuing to work with them to help what they're doing in the communities and across the world is, is so important, especially today. And then what I do um, on the U.S. Rowing Board of Directors, I'm in my second term, entering into my sixth year coming up. Um, and that's just, you know, helping be uh, steer the direction of, of the U.S. Rowing organization into a place where we can grow the sport, but also, you know, how can we take better care of our athletes? How can we build our organization to be, a, you know, better in the U.S.? And so it's, it's been a lot of fun to be a part of that um, and, you know, obviously learn a lot along the way. But uh, not only being an ambassador for the sport, but, you know, an advocate and hoping help kind of form the next generation of rowers. I love it. That's fantastic. I mean, so just so I'm clear, I mean, I don't know. I only have 24 hours in a day. Um, are, do you still have the same 20? I hear everyone has the same 24 hours, but man, I don't know how you're capable of doing all of these things and being killer at all of them. I mean, maybe I need a little bit of that motivational speaking in my life. Cause I mean, I, I think I'm okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is extremely impressive. Everything you're doing and, and all the things that you're capable of, of, you know, it seems like you can go a hundred percent at all of these things. And I think that, you know, mathematically it doesn't make sense, but clearly you figured out a way you hack the system and you're able to do it. So Megan, I think that is absolutely absolutely incredible so um megan that's about it for me um did we touch upon everything is there anything else uh, that we might have missed no this has been great michael this has been awesome. a lot of fun i appreciate what you're doing no please <laughs> i just get to talk to olympic athletes and ask them silly questions all day are you kidding and and just in case anyone was curious I, somehow we only made it to five on the pun counter so i'm a little disappointed about that but whatever i got that extra dash <laughs> in my uh, tally mark so it's cool but one more time megan o'leary usa rowing 2016 olympian um, five-time national champ, two-time medalist at the world championships, four-time world cup medalist, all around amazing person. Megan, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I appreciate it. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Our Athletes with Megan. She, as I said, was absolutely incredible. Uh, Make sure to follow her on all her socials. I'll put those in the show notes. Make sure to follow us at ourathletes.us on Instagram. Shoot me a message, Michael, at ourathletes.us. If you want any specific athletes, if you know anybody you want to get on the show, shoot them my way. Love to talk to them. Um, Other than that, I mean, please rate, 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 subscribe, review, share, like, comment, uh, anything to really just get the word out about this show because I really do believe that there are some amazing athletes with amazing stories that we don't really know enough about. So thank you so much again. Sincerely appreciate it and I hope you have a wonderful day.